0: Welcome to The Liberated Life. Get ready to free your mind, body, and spirit in business and pleasure. Now, here's your host, Robin Quinn Keen.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Liberated Life. I am really delighted to have one of my friends with me today on the show. His name is Jay Rook, and I've known Jay probably for about, what do you think, Jay, like five or six years, maybe? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And when I first met you, you were doing a lot of business type coaching, as I recall. But yes. I know you've also, you're an attorney. I remember when you talked about being a restaurateur, like you've done a lot of really cool things. But what you're doing right now is something near and dear to my heart, being a mom of four and a grandma of a seven-year-old. You are the founder of Gonzo Parenting, and I love that because I could just see you doing that because I happen to know your wife and I've met your kids, so I can picture you in your home and only what it must be like to have two wild six-year-olds running around, right? 100% yes. (laughs) Yes. And so you've got a great new Facebook community, Gonzo Parenting, it's comedic and cathartic, and it's meant to help parents laugh about just the daily stuff, and also to heal, right, because there's a lot that goes on for parents in our world's judgments that we have of ourselves and others judgments about how well we're doing as parents Judgments we place on others, like, and what's one, you know, wondering what the heck is going on with our kids and what part we have in it, all of that, right? So you brought together a really cool group of parents that just want to find some laughter and some, yeah, probably some help and some feeling of being in a like-minded community. I'm
0: going to have to hire you to start doing my uh, my website copywriting. That was uh, well summarized. Thank you. Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> awesome. I know your wife, because we did a lot of personal development together up in Edmonton and I think maybe in Scottsdale. Yes, definitely in Scottsdale and in Edmonton. So I know that um, your wife is particularly interested in personal development, and I believe it was your urging that she got started on that road. So I know that personal development plays a large part in your Perspective on parenting. Am I correct about
0: that? Yes, absolutely, yes. absolutely. And I, I think I've always been sort of a personal uh, development junkie uh, or enthusiast along the way. And and I was just really taken aback by how much that all got amplified and stepped up once I became a father. And and noticing, you know, that delta between where I was and where I wanted to be. And and I thought I was in. Uh, I think, like many parents, uh, might have been in a uh, a fairly calmer state pre-children. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we we bring kids into the world and it's like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? And uh, you know, all the rules change up is down, left is right, and and trying to make sense of it all.
1: Absolutely. Well, I remember the first one rocked my world and you had two at once. And actually I was in a parenting, you know, pre-baby class with uh two different moms who were pregnant with twins. And I was so jealous. I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I just could have twins. I wish I could have twins. Then they had their twins. I had my baby first, like a month before everybody else, Madeline was a preemie. But then we got together with that group, right? A couple of times when the kids were little and I was like, oh my God, thank God I didn't have twins. Like it was so, it was so intense. But no matter what, twins or triplets or one baby at a time, parenting does just turn everything on its head. For me, you know, I always talk about entrepreneurship being the biggest personal development course you could possibly take, but I think parenting at least rivals, if not exceeds that. If we understand where personal development fits in, right? Like some people just don't know what's going on and they wouldn't know how to get help. But when you can, when you have some understanding of what personal development looks like, you can seek that out and it will help with parenting
0: so i 100 percent agree with you on the entrepreneurship being the biggest tool for personal development up until that point uh in time of having kids and i, I think uh the only thing that that changes compared to the two is that the stakes are bigger you know it's, it's, but when you're parenting it's one thing if your business isn't particularly doing well or you know worst of all it it, it fails and, and hey life goes on um but if you're messing up the parenting part, you're, you're screwing somebody up for their entire life and you know, basically becoming the reason they're in therapy later in life or whatever that might be. And so oh. I just felt like the, uh, the stakes all got all got anteed up.
1: Oh, that is that is 100% true. And I actually hadn't compared those in my head what was the difference. But you're right, like these are people that you're, that you're raising that are going to be grownups. I have to deal with the stuff that we didn't do well. And obviously I'm so clear with four kids that are between 20 and 29. uh, You know, I messed up. We messed up. Of course. My husband and I messed up on different things for sure. And I can see it differently for each kid too, right? Yes. Partly based on where we were in our marriage, where we were in our age group, where we, what we, what our understanding was Um, It changed with each different kid, right? Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. We're
1: we're 21 months apart. Well, by the time the second one came, we had already had some experience, but we were also two years further into our marriage, right? Like, so there's compounding effects of all of that. It's going to have different impacts on your kids. And I can see the difference with my youngest compared to the next one, right? Fascinating. Yeah. And so we want to do our absolute best and we do our best and still- you know, having gone to personal development and some really intense experiences there around parents, no one escapes.
0: One hundred percent, yes, yeah, and, and I, I think you know that's that's. I'd love to write a book someday around all the things that that we're not told uh, society-wise about parenting, and uh, I, I think that's a big one of them is that hey, we're all going to uh, have some impact on our kids that might be less than positive, but then they're course correcting on later in life and. You know there's there's no one for whom that's not the case and and i think about uh as you're describing this intensity of of the earlier years uh and recognizing oh wait a minute part of the reason why this is so challenging on a personal development front is that we're basically arguing with a smaller version of ourselves that you know is in those corners or the the, the blind spots that we have uh in our own growth or where we're triggered uh, and they in many ways are, are amused to to help us figure out our own stuff uh, as well and, and to model for them uh, what we need to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Now sometimes I struggle with you know is my kid a mirror for me? I think at times they can be and other times they're definitely not. There are right. things where you're just like that that really maybe if I you know sat down and extrapolated for, meditated for two hours. I could find the link between their behavior and something going on in me. So I I believe that they can be. I also think that each of our kids has their own personality and their own things that they struggle with. Um, One of the biggest things that we worked with our kids on that has made a difference, I really believe this, is that we always talk to them. I I said it from the time they were little and I hadn't done any formal personal development. And then I just laughed when I got into personal development. It all made sense then. But we used to tell our kids, I used to say, you write your own script. Uh-huh. I knew that from the time they were little, tiny kids. Like, you know what? You get to choose. You get to choose how this goes. You get to choose how you approach the day. You get to choose what, what you're going to do right now. No matter what you do, it's going to have an effect. It's going to have an impact on you, right? And I am so happy that we instilled that in our kids because they are really good about not playing the victim, right? They understand Mm -hmm. that their decisions have consequences, both happy and unhappy. And uh, for, for us, I think that was a really big win for our kids is they understand that they do get to choose how things go and that what they choose will have an outcome.
0: Right. Yes. Um,
1: But these are things, you know, so as you watch your kids grow, you do your very best. Um, But we also, I think, do our best to make sure that they come away with some understanding about like, and I guess what I'm coming back to, Jay, is when we grow up, we want to blame our parents for lots of stuff. Yeah. But if we teaching our kids that their choices have outcomes I think the blame is still there but maybe not as deeply am I making sense or am I no
0: very much so and I I think it's one of these things I've been chatting with friends lately and we've been tossing the the line of uh, what a time to be alive around so much back and forth with all the craziness that's going on both you know good and bad and I think the collective emotional intelligence of parents is significantly higher than it might have been a couple of generations ago. And that's not to say that, you know, our, our, our forefathers and grandmothers and all that stuff didn't have it, but it's so much more a part uh, I think our, our understanding and ability to navigate our emotions is significantly increased uh, compared to a couple of prior generations. And so I think we're more attuned to where we're missing. Yeah. Uh, at times and, and also uh, because of whatever, uh, you know, wounds that we've been handed down are, are more attuned to uh, paying attention and not replicating those types of things.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, I know I'm a little bit older than you, I think, but one of the shows that I watched, I've watched it a couple of times, quite honestly, my big confession here, mm-hmm. uh, Mad Men. Uh-huh. Mad Men is set a few years before I was born, maybe five or six years before I was born, but oh my gosh, I told my brother, you need to, if you want to understand the culture in which we were raised, and mom and dad, you need to go watch Mad Men. And my dad was a captain for American Airlines. And so he was not Don Draper. He was not an ad man, but he was a glamorous, highly respected, highly thought of Glamorized, kind of, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think about that scene in Catch Me uh, If You Can, when DiCaprio is walking through in the Pan Am outfit with all the stewardesses, type of thing.
1: That's it. That's it, right? And so it's interesting because if we can look back and see how we were raised, you know, it's very, very helpful, I think, in in understanding why we're doing what we're doing and why we ended up the way we ended up and why we're making the choices are with our kids. So Sure. My mom was all about, and my dad both, were very much perfectionistic, right? Yeah. I am the opposite of perfectionistic, and it drove my mom crazy. When I was a kid, I had to take sewing in eighth grade. Uh-huh. My mom had been a fabulous seamstress. She was a, a second grade teacher, I think, but but she was an excellent seamstress, and it was all about the perfection, right? Yeah. And I still remember I had a final project due, and she took one look at it and she insisted that I rip it apart entirely to start over and it was well, the night before it was due and we she sat with me while we sewed these perfect seams right
0: yeah yeah, totally <laughs> and, and there's so many things there that, that are baked in you know, not only the the perfectionism uh of that time but also the fact that like your eighth grade project was sewing type of thing and how crazy it is compared to now and oh all
1: of I know isn't it? it it is it's really funny but you know I think that when we become parents, then we take these things that really didn't work for us or things that we didn't like, and we flip to the extreme on the opposite side, right? So it is a matter of, and I think you're right, and I think now as parents, we're much more aware of what we're choosing, what we're responding to. If we go do some personal development, then we can make more sense of, how we're training our kids, how we're loving our kids, how we're teaching our kids and what the impact that is going to have on them is. Because I don't think our, my parents, I don't think they did a great job, but I don't know that there was as much intention or awareness of if I do this, this is likely to be the long-term impact on my kids. Do you
0: think,
1: think we changed that much? I,
0: I do. And I, I feel like all the, the uh, tools have changed as well. So I feel like a lot of our, our, our parents taught us what was they saw that was working for them at the time of their generation. So as an example, kind of that, that top down discipline, authoritarian kids well behaved, well dressed type of thing, you know, there's so much uh, weight put on that. And and I think we've seen, you know, now or maybe then as well, it just it's not as important as I think a lot of us thought and probably did more uh, harm than good at times. And so, uh, you know, how do we, how do we sit with, with a leg in each camp and, and say, Hey, I'm doing the best I can to uh, raise and model my kids and, you know, hard stop. I know that there's some negative stuff that's being passed on. There's no way that that can't occur because nobody's perfect uh, either. So how, how do we become, I guess selective uh, about the the negatives that we're passing down, and, and, and making sure you know that they're the um, the the less toxic ones. You know, whether it's uh, uh, anger or shame or something like that. And, and, and like you said, if maybe you're perhaps uh, not a perfectionist, well, that's that's not the end of the world. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like I was saying earlier, too, the thing is, and you have two kids. I know they're twins, but they are distinctly different. They have, and so how they interpret what is happening is it's very different right so for a kid if i do a and i have you know i do this thing and i've got two kids one is going to interpret it one way and one could interpret it an entirely different way oh i'll tell you so this was a great example um i was reading this book called safe to love again Uh it really has to do with the core wounds of children and the, and like the, the six, I think it's six or eight things they must have, like the rights children are born with, and they need to have these things in place. And when they don't, things go wrong. Things go badly. Like, um, if you, if children don't feel like they belong, that they're valued, yep. that they are, um, that they're protected, that they deserve to be loved. Like there's things that they must have. And we you know, it's actually a really great book. I, I feel like he's very clear about what these distinctions are. But the point is there's a story in the book that I love because it's just so classic. It's just absolutely classic. So family, I think of three kids, two, two sons and a daughter. The One of the sons and the daughter grow up, they get married, they, they have good lives. Things are pretty normal for them. But the other son is an adult now and he's like on his third marriage and he just can't seem to get it figured out he can't figure out why he keeps repeating these same problems in marriages and finally he goes to therapy and he takes his brother i think it's just his brother and he's like the the therapist asked him something about his childhood and he's like about his relationship with his dad and he said Well, my dad didn't love me. My dad, in fact, beat on me and all this stuff. And he's like, so I remember the first time um, my dad, we were having a campfire and my dad grabbed me by the shirt and whacked my legs and knocked me down. And his brother just looked at him astounded and said, you were melting a marshmallow that caught fire on your pants. Dad grabbed you by the shirt and hit your legs and got you into the sand. Wow! (laughs) I get goosebumps even saying that because it was like the interpretation, right? Sure, sure. And it had such a big impact. And so that's the thing I think about a lot. I don't think I thought about it so much with my four kids, but I think about it a lot with James, my grandson, because he's having an experience. And I think I know what that is, but I actually don't unless I ask him.
0: Yeah, right. yes, yes.
1: And so how even that, even that simple thing of asking your kids, uh, you know, what, what did you think that meant? Or what do you think just happened? Sure. Right. Do you, what, what did you notice about what just happened? Because it's probably not what I think.
0: Right, 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 totally.
1: And being able then to engage and say, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's not what I meant. And I understand why you could think that would you like to know what I meant yep right like wouldn't that just go a long way
0: <laughs> a million percent and I think back too it so you just you know, some of those earliest childhood memories that we, we all have uh, around where our perception was at at that point in time and our own developments and how that lens skews some reality and it like you said, in the example of the the brother you were just talking about it doesn't matter if it was right or wrong he carried that wound with him for you know a couple of decades and it would play out on the stage negatively for him and yeah. uh we all have that
1: we all do we all do it's remarkable to me and so let's talk a little bit about personal development jay and yeah what what's your take on it do you do you think there are like books to read do you think there are courses do you, what what do, you, what do you think an average parent and and to be clear you know, how many parents can go away five days, you know, and right man, it takes a lot of arranging to do something like that. It's not the easiest thing, but what's your take on personal development?
0: So I, I tend to geek out uh, more around the mindfulness aspects and uh, learning how to open heart space and lead with love and, and those types of things mm-hmm. more so than the, the growth hack type stuff of personal development around here's how to be more productive and here's how to do this faster easier you know you put on more muscle whatever that might be um and 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 so for me it's some type of of consistent practice which varies and obviously ebbs and flows based on what's going on uh in life but but i notice that i don't dedicate some deliberate time to doing something so whether that's a big one for me is listening to uh, mindfulness books on Audible while I go for a walk. And I, I said I wasn't into growth acts, but I guess it's sort of one of those two birds with one stone things where I'm, I'm thinking and growing while I'm also getting some exercise on. Uh, and so those for me are the big ones, especially as parents, because I think going back to that example that you have of the, the guy that was carrying this wound around, um, for me, the more that I can tap into and learn how to be. Less judgmental to sit with more beginner's mind and, and realize I don't know what the end outcome of XY is going to be, Z is going to be, but all that matters is that my children felt loved and appreciated or knew safety uh, in their upbringing. Those are the things that I'm trying to pay a lot more uh, attention to. And so I, I think a mindfulness and a meditation practice is just particularly more helpful uh, to parents because. You know, we're getting triggered left and right. Our buttons are pushed. We're exhausted, overwhelmed, trying to do 900 things for everybody uh, at once. And then there's those those flare up moments that occur, or we're, we're so caught in trying to keep the schedule going around listen, you've got to get to soccer practice. Then we've got to get the house clean, and then this, and then this, and then this. Uh, but that's not our kids' agenda, uh, many of the times, obviously. And, and so, how to be uh, softer uh, in those moments. And I, I think, for me as, as, a, as a, a father, um, trying to rewrite the script around uh, what a more gentle man can look like and, and and what healthy masculinity looks like and rewrite some of that is, is what I've been trying to pay a lot of uh, attention to lately.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, all of that makes a lot of sense. And I'm the same way I love to walk and listen to a book, you know, it's really Uh, something about growth is, I don't know, there's something about walking and listening to something like that. It's, it is very cathartic and it's very helpful. And I don't know if it's the physicality of moving and listening. It seems to get in a little bit more for me. I don't know about for you.
0: Definitely. And a a buddy of mine had a great line. He said, uh, you know, no, no one ever feels worse after going on a walk
1: yeah <laughs> and so yeah
0: yes 100 percent right. in fact
1: when we're done today james and i are going to go take our two mile walk with the dog although I just yeah. did the dog and a walk and she's probably going to come running over and jump in my lap now i guess <laughs> she right. hears those words and she's like oh you're talking about me right okay. um yeah it's really great uh so do you have i'm curious do you have a favorite book or one that, a recent one that you've loved
0: I, I am completely uh, zealot right now for Michael A. Singer's The Untethered Soul. Oh, yes. And I put it as like one of the most profoundly impactful books uh, I've had in my life uh, and just really loving uh, everything that he talked about and trying to work with a lot of those things right now and, and sitting in non-judgment and it being okay that, you know, I don't fully know the outcomes of what's happening right now. And then just trying to stay in the present and be at peace as much as possible.
1: Yeah. Well, and you and I are recording this uh, early in September and there's a lot going on in the world, you know, and I, so I don't want to go off on a big tangent, but especially right now, I feel like there is so much unknown and so much being strangely revealed. Yes. (laughs) It's pretty. um, Yeah. It's, it's, really shaking the ground the solid ground we thought we had i i i know better than that because i know i know there's no such thing as solid ground Um, you know i've had some some huge events in my life with and i i posted on this on facebook yesterday 12 years ago yesterday my dad died 19 years ago the week before my mom died and a year ago my last remaining aunt died and so you know, we think that life is going to look a certain way. And then we just find out, oh my gosh, you know, I was only 40 when my mom died. Like, yeah. oh, that was a big surprise. Right. Right. I, I'm very clear that there's no such thing as true stability, but this is a very unstable time for all. of us. percent. This, this is off the hook weird. And so I, I mentioned to you, Jay, I have my grandson a lot right now. And And my 20 year old daughter lives with me. And so, and I have clients and I feel like for all of them, I especially need to stay grounded and in the present moment. Yes. (laughs) yes. Anything in the future is, can become fear-based and anything in the past can be guilt-based, right? So there's not a good place to live behind or in front. I just need to stay present now. And I think, especially for our kids, to be grounded and to be calm and to be present and to be aware and listening to what they need and what and what I need to stay there is yep. super important right now.
0: Definitely, and it's funny because I, I was thinking to myself, am I, you know, hypersensitive around this stuff or am I, am I trumping things up to be what they're not? And I was chatting with my grandmother and I said, did anything like this really happen in your time? And she said, no, you know, aside from World War ii and stuff like that no like this is off the charts crazy uh, across the board right now and, and uh, to your point as far as you know two things one how do we not get drawn into the hype and start to mirror that to our kids uh, but also if we do get too drawn into it you know parenting from that fear-based calamity perspective doesn't do anybody uh, any good either and so I, I know it's a, a challenge for all of us but but how do we how do we sit in the trust that this is, all, you know, that good things can still come of all of this, and a little bit of the the planet kind of reshuffling the deck right now, uh, and and hoping, hey, maybe that's for the best, and this is the, a learning curve that we can come out uh, softer and more enlightened on the other side of.
1: Yeah, well, I certainly hope so. And regardless, I think about what is my responsibility, like okay. what is my responsibility in all of this, but and then particular. With my youngest daughter who lives with me, uh, my other kids that don't, my grandson who's here a lot, it's for everyone's benefit for me to be okay. Yes, if I need to be okay. Right. If I'm not okay, they're going to freak out. Number one, because I'm not not okay. Right. Yep. Totally. They, they almost never see me not okay. It's happened a couple of times ever, and so if I were to lose it, that would that would indicate for them it's time to panic so for me to just say okay great and so what that requires jay like we're talking it, it requires intention it requires being present it requires pulling myself out of um conversations out of uh out of off of facebook at times off yeah. of twitter out of the, what's happening out there and just come back to okay great i need to make lunch for james <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. the reality is i need to go to bed or i need to make lunch or we need to take a walk i think it's a really challenging time for parents but i also think with your gonzo parenting too right great timing i'm sure you were intentional about like you knew it would be a good time not necessarily that all this other stuff was going to continue on but <laughs> right like okay that just worked out well
0: so, <laughs> yeah yeah and i think in many ways it, it was born from the the squeeze of 2020 that was going on uh and the, the path kind of appeared ahead of me and then so it's like oh well this is where we should go now and it just it, it, it made very um uh organic sense to just let it flow out that way and and then the big thing that i was really taken aback by that also inspired the push to launch all of this was the amount of other parents that were reaching out to me and sharing similar sentiments uh, via text or Facebook message, but not publicly, uh, you know, because we're also obsessed with, with perfect parenting and, uh, you know, the whole Betty Crocker type of uh, appearance at times. And, and so as that started to happen more and more, uh, it was clear to me that we needed to rewrite some of the, uh, I don't know, lexicon and, and sort of social acceptability around how we're parenting and what all of this looks like. And as you're talking about how it's, it's not okay for you to be not okay, I, I, I think back to some of these parents that, you know, say things like, oh, I, I, I do everything possible for my kids or I live every minute of the day, you know, for them, et cetera, and they, they down-prioritize their well-being uh, ahead of the children's, and hey, I just don't think that's healthy from a modeling point of view, but it, it usually means um, a, a parent's parenting without a full cup of their own. and and. I, well, I, I get it, it can feel selfish or uh, disregarding at times. I, I feel like when I've been uh, at my worst as a parent has been when I've not been taking those steps for myself and when I'm doing the best that I can, it, it's usually that's more in place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's so hard. I remember when my kids were little, four little kids, right? Where do I get my replenishing? And it was so hard to do. It was super hard. And so I'm not saying that it's easy. But it is important that we do take care of ourselves because if we're parenting from exhaustion and barely getting by and losing it half the time in private and then pretending like things are okay, that's not easy either, right? Yeah. I was at someone's house this weekend and, and she's delightful and her house was crazy messy and busy and stuff. And I thought, okay, great. I love that she's just doing what she needs to and not worrying about like, if it was my mom, the house would be perfect. Nothing anywhere. Right. Right. Maybe it's an extreme on the other side, but even if that's what it takes that the house isn't perfect, but that you got an extra 20 minutes of sleep or, you know, the, whatever, the the dog didn't get out for two walks, but you took a, uh, you know, you read for 15 minutes or you meditated, like it doesn't really matter, but what it is, but finding that time to take care of yourself, I think is super important because I know what it's like and you do too, Jay, to to, mom, to parent from depletion and yes. nobody wins. <laughs>
0: nobody it's, wins. You know, the, the, the whole uh, adage around like, uh, if, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy in the house type of thing. And I was interviewing uh, a woman in Gonzo parenting named Amber Trouba uh, this past week and we, and we were chatting about how when we do take that time for ourselves, how it, it's almost a boomerang effect of it the energy that then gets infused into everything else we do makes it all so much easier and the dishes become easier and the kids seemingly respond to us more effectively. And then everything just goes better as a result of it.
1: Yeah. And so just a quick note here, then if, if you have adult kids raising kids like I do for me, things have eased up. Yes. I have James a lot, which is delightful, but things have eased up for sure. It's not the same as four kids living in my house and all those meals and all that stuff. But I've noticed for my oldest daughter, his mom, that little things I do for her make a tremendous impact on her quality of life. Like just, you know, I was out the other day and she's got a, a lep, no, a big, what is it? A bearded dragon lizard, right? One of those right. Ones that they eat huge worms. Oh gosh, I hate those big worms. Anyway. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I could just, you know, stop and pick that up because that saves her like 10, 15 minutes and an extra stop with a kid that she has to get in and out of the car. He's big. He doesn't need help. It's just the anything, if you're not directly involved in parenting, if you're grandparenting, anything that you can do just to pick up a little bit of the slack can make a tremendous difference. Like last night, they were getting home from their Labor Day trip. And she's like, we're home. And I said, I've got him. I'll keep him for another hour. And then I was like, I'll keep him for another hour. I figured then they could have unpacked, started their laundry, and they were trying to feed him and take care of him. worked out really well. But just these little things that we can do to help each other can just make a tremendous difference.
0: Yeah, I I feel this is definitely one of those like checking on your parent friends uh, type of of settings. Because to your point, it's always been hard. I was chatting with a a friend the other day and we were saying part of the challenge of parenting isn't that any one moment is particularly harder than another it's just this endurance race of it's never ending and there's no off button ever and uh i i think the pandemic has really intensified this for a lot of families so as an example my my wife and i's families are on the east coast and we're west coast And so going on like two years now of not having uh, that type of childcare support and, you know, I know everyone's in their own spot with with, uh, COVID precautions and whatnot, but, you know, we haven't been doing babysitters and and things of that nature. And so I think everyone's just so burned out and just needing a little bit of a release and a break and uh, about ZF 100%. Yeah,
1: anything we can do. And I, I like that too, you know, even if you have other parent friends somewhere in your vicinity and you could even do a trade. Yep. Right. And just like, hey, I'm going to take your kids for an hour. Go do what you need to do. I, totally. would, uh, I know we need to wrap up here. But what I remember is my mom would be like, let me come over and take the kids. And I would, they would all leave and I would just stand stunned in my kitchen like, oh, I've got an hour like I have no idea where to even start or what to totally. do. And then she'd come back. How was your hour? I'm like, yeah, it was good. I don't know what I did. Like, I just stood here stunned. Yes. (laughs) Alone. I don't know if you feel that way, but sometimes when you're just like, I I don't even, I don't even know what I should do.
0: Right. I've I've certainly had that experience. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So maybe give your friends an hour and a half, maybe that extra half an hour (laughs) (laughs) to figure out what you're going to do, but no, really it it could make a, a big difference. And so if you are a parent and you know, somebody that could just, you know, help you for a little while that, I mean, it's just really remarkable what that little bit of space can create for us and just our own recovery.
0: Yes, 100%. Okay.
1: Well, Jay, it's been really fun talking to you. I knew that you and I could probably talk for hours. We didn't even share funny stories. I told you a funny one right before we started.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I'm sure we've got lots and lots that we could exchange about kids.
0: Um, uh, uh, another time. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to be here. I, I hope your listeners enjoyed the conversation.
1: Absolutely. It was really great. So if you would like to connect with Jay, I will put his Facebook group and I'll link to it in the show notes. It's Gonzo Parenting on Facebook. He's got lots of fun things coming up. There are conversations, there are funny things, there are serious things, there are interviews, all kinds of great stuff going on in there. So I encourage you to connect with Jay and his tribe because they're a pretty awesome group of people. So Jay, thanks so much for being here today on The Liberated Life. And everyone, thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also get more great information at quittingculture.com.